Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader and College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Sharp College Football. This is a Sharp College Football podcast. You know it. You know why? Because it is freaking week one of college football. We are ready to go. We're going to go through every Pac-12 game. We're going to go through every matchup, and we're going to do it. With the fury of a thousand suns, I am joined as always by Rob Barron from Sharp College Football. Sir, how are you? I can't believe we're here. We had a week zero, no Pac-12 games. This is the real deal. I mean, not only do we have no Pac-12, I mean, it's not like we had any really, really interesting games. I mean, well, there they was, were there interesting. Was things we felt like there were there were football, and they were on TV. Um, but these were, I mean, they were fun for the most part, but like there weren't any, there weren't any games with, you know, there, there were quite a few teams that you thought, well, they're probably not going to make a bowl. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the Scott Frost, uh, uh, canning watch begins that, that started, uh, about 30, 36 yeah. hours ago. We have a ton of games here to, to go on. Um, and normally what we'll do, if, if you're new to the show, we normally will preview or will we review what happened the previous year, uh, previous week, we'll preview the games coming up. We kind of merge them together, but since this is week one, and since there's so many games, we're just going to get right into it. You want it? Actual gambling lines. You got it. Nice. Oh, it feels good. It feels good to be back. So many games. So many FCS teams, Rob. Uh, (laughs) let's just let's just dive into it and and we'll have a lot more to break down in terms of looking back at how these teams were able to perform. What what we try to do here at 12 Pack Radio is put more credence to the although Rob like uh, sharp college football I noticed we have F- FCS teams now too I guess we should do a quick plug for that that's pretty awesome yeah I mean so starting in week five we'll be rolling out FCS rankings um, and they'll be like I'm really excited because uh, as it sits right now like even what Bill Connolly does for his SP plus FCS rankings is just basically looking at final scores and score differential. We're going to get the same level of data that we get for beta rank for FBS. And so we'll have that level of granularity to be able to talk about who's the most explosive offense in FCS, who's got the best passing offense, that kind of thing. Yeah. So when your team plays Northern Arizona next year, we got you covered, baby. Well, that's something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) But but for this week, what we're going to do is when we go to the FCS teams, we're going to talk about I think what, what we want to see out of these teams as they're playing FCS teams. Now, clearly looking at you, Arizona, looking at you, Washington, uh, 
Pac-12 teams have dropped games to these FCS uh, opponents, but really what we want to do, since we don't have a good handle on on the strength of some of these teams, uh, although we will, you know, in week five and, and next year, uh, we will, we're just going to kind of look out for what, what we have coming up. So the first game, Thursday, 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Arizona State hosts Northern Arizona at Sun Devil Stadium. Rob, ASU just released their depth chart. Uh, they spelled yeah. Emory Jones's name wrong, so that was unfortunate. But so, so you had tweeted out something that you thought that the the um, that the roster looked thin. I I I kind of disagree with you on the offensive side. I do think that the defense. I have I have some grimacing, you know, Michael Scott faces like that gif of him looking at stuff when I take a look at the depth. But overall. Still, even looking at this roster, the way that it's constructed, I still think like this is why I think this team's going to be a bowl team is because they have. I mean, if, if as long as the wheels don't fall off, which which could very well happen, but uh, if if you want to play ASU, I think you want to play them later in the year. You know, any any thoughts on the depth chart as it was released, and and how do you think? What are you going to be looking for when they you know match up against the Lumberjacks? I, mean, I think for me, the thing that stuck out to me on the offensive side of the football is is the skill positions outside of it. I mean, you could argue, including Emory. Actually, let's not kid ourselves. It's just the skill. Like, I think the offensive line is largely fine. You know, like, I think that, I, I mean, I think that they're going to be pretty good there. I think their starters, including Jones, are good, right? Like, you have Emory Jones, you have Holiday um, as your starting running back, like, I'm I'm fine there. I just think you start to get into like the run, like the wide receivers, and you're like, oh well, yeah, okay. I mean, these, I mean, like what they're left. And we talked about this, you know, like they're just not left with a lot. Um, you know, they had some good, you know, most of their best players transferred out. I think if Holiday gets hurt, like I'm not sure Nagata, I'm not sure he's a power five every down back. I totally um, agree. I, I agree on that. Uh, that that's what I mean. Like, I, like. <laughs> I think ASU, so long as like people are mostly healthy, they're fine. You know, like I, I'm not saying like going to compete for the Pac-12 South, but I think within a pretty mushy Pac-12 that wasn't very good last year, I think they're okay. I, I think you're right. Like the the defense worries me. The defensive like the defensive backfield, I think in particular, yeah. with all that they lost. And then looking through it kind of worries me. But it, I mean, truthfully, like I don't recall like a ton of transfers out where they had like a ton of experience. Like these are guys that probably would have been stepping in this year anyway. It's just they're very unknown. Yeah, you had some of the starters depart that ended up, you know, that really held down the fort for a number of years. But to your point, I, I and I can't recall a lot of uh, players that ended up departing in the secondary either. The two things to keep in mind is T. Marcus Davis, the Baylor transfer, and then Jordan Clark are both listed as injured. So I don't know if that means yeah. they're out for the season because it, it they. And shout out, by the way, shout out. Look, I know everybody dumps all over Herm Edwards. I get it. I get it. But the man released a depth chart with injuries and injuries out for the year. God bless him. Like, yeah. I, I really do appreciate that. Come on. We, we're trying to cover. We're trying to give you free media. We're trying to cover this sport for free. Get people interested in your program. And when you have right. people like uh, like Herm that are releasing, like, legitimate depth charts with injuries, and then you have Sarkeesian, who, like, isn't going to release a depth chart all year. It's like, for the love of God. And like, Lincoln Riley didn't put one out. God, I, I, I you know. Now, I'm starting to figure out why Oklahoma this was was a little bit salty about him. Lincoln Riley's playing rice, <laughs> rice, 
one of the worst programs in all of college football. Hey, don't don't give away that advantage here, Rob. Don't give that away. Not one. It's not an advantage. It's not like Nick Saban puts the depth chart out. He's not losing anything in this. No, no I'm mean, like you know taking a look at at the the defensive line. Looks okay, right? Like Omar Norman Lott, who was kind of, was he in? Was he out? Is he coming? Is he going? He's he's in. Um, Nuesta yeah. Jade uh, Silviera, I think is how you pronounce it. My apologies. I'll get it. I'm going to be watching all these games. Listed as second, right? So he got beat out. Um, he's likely going to he was given an or at least. Like he'll get some playing time. That's true. That's true. Um, one of the names that I was looking at for was Trevez Moore, right? The, uh, I think he was the Auburn transfer. And there, yeah. was, there was some concern about him in terms of like, is he actually going to put it together? And I actually think it's a good thing that Joe Moore is ahead of him in the depth chart. Like, I, you know, if, if Trevez Moore is there and like he's the star, that kind of I think that speaks poorly of the, the folks behind him. Unless, you know, maybe we have a pleasant surprise. And I hope that all these players really put it together this year. But, yeah, the, the secondary is the thing that worries me. So as I'm looking at this game against NAU, the number one thing that I most focus on outside of the quarterback play, of course, which is the most important aspect on the field, is can like can they just shut down any passing game? Like I really want to see even these two like the the twos on the cornerback side because T. Marcus Davis was supposed to start. I think Clark was uh, one of the transfers too. I, I really want to see that secondary play well, and that'll give me a little bit. Look, it's NAU, right? Like we're kind of we're grasping straws here, but that is something that that I'm going to keep the most focus on as they play this game on Thursday. It'll be on my television. I'm very excited about it. Uh, what else do you think? Are, are you, what what are you looking for when it comes to ASU and NAU? I mean, yeah, you could throw the ball around a little bit last year. So, I mean, for an FCS team. So that's that's what I'm interested to see is like, can ASU really slow them down a bit? Offensively, I mean, they were not good. They were a bad power five offense last year. I don't think that Jaden Daniels is a huge loss for them. I think Emory Jones is an interesting player and in that he's like a bigger, faster <laughs> runner on his own right yeah but i'm interested it's like i mean like for asu is like what does this offense look like right like you've got a new offensive coordinator and you've got a new quarterback in with a different skill set and look emory jones had a decent completion rate last year 64 percent. it's not as if like he was that bad last season you know like he just anthony richardson was a bit more dynamic um so yeah i'm, I'm i am like uh, like i expect asu to win this game um, I'm interested to see if the like if the defense gets tested at all by NAU, if this is closer a little bit later than we think. Um, and I'm interested to see, like, I want to see I want to see the defensive line or the offensive line be able to push NAU around. Like you remember a couple years ago, was it was it ASU when they were playing Sacramento State? I think and that was like, Cal. Oh. Was it ASU or Cal? But I know it was A no, about. it was ASU. Yeah. And it was when it was before they, it was like, was it, it might've been like Herm's first year. Like they did not have the offensive line fixed Yeah, <laughs> and, and it was bad. Um, and that was like a harbinger of things to come. That's what I'm kind of interested in here is like, you know, the offensive line should be pretty good. They should be able to show up, run the football, you know, like they're, they're probably not going to ask Jones to run the football a lot in this game. I don't think I'm going to take too much away from the passing game. Like ASU's guys should be better than the, you know, the guys that NAU has, yeah. um, you know, so like, 
that's it. Like, I mean, is ASU able to show up, dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, really? Like, that's, that'd be the concern. And, like, and can they cover, right? Like, because that's where their 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 big worry might be. Yeah, last thing on my end, and I, it's just more of a bugaboo on my friend, the Chase Hatch, you know, hype coming out of spring. Look, I've seen this story six years in a row, and he was listed as, like, the starting tight end. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. I want Jalen Conyers. I want Messiah Swenson out there. Like, I don't, I don't want – I do not want to see Chase ha- – unless he's really legitimately better than those two guys because I think there's a significant physical difference between, like, the way that Conyers and Swenson are built and Chase Hatch. But it's just, like, I, I had the, the – like, you could hear my eyes rolling in the back of my head when I saw that one aspect on the depth chart. So uh, just, just something – I just, I at least wanted to play it flag there uh let's let's see what we got next here moving on from fcs to a real game friday seven o'clock p.m on espn colorado hosts tcu at home colorado is a 13 and a half point underdog and it was fascinating rob because this game opened at 10 and a half and it was 10 and a half yesterday so this this line has jumped three points in the last wow. 24 hours and i rarely see a line like that move uh except for the the new mexico state line moved like six points and i caught it too late which was a bummer i should have caught it 12 and a half would have won that game uh, beta rank by the way won that game uh This is a fascinating matchup, right? Because Colorado, I think, you know, I want to say we don't know what we have. We know what we have. Like, I'm pretty sure I know what Colorado is. It's the (laughs) TCU that I'm more, that I'm curious, right? Sonny Dykes comes. I think that offense is going to be good. I think they're going to, they're, they're going to be aggressive. I think they have some good players on that team. What what do we have in this TCU game? Um, And and what can, what can uh, Pac-12 fans expect from TCU when they show up to Folsom Field? So Beta Rink has this game. It's got TCU projected right now at 63 and Colorado at 86. But I think TCU is a team with significant upside. Um, in comes Sonny Dykes. He's got Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's younger brother, as his offensive coordinator. Garrett Riley spent some time at App State learning their run game. Um, so he's got a little bit of a diversified, of course, like Sonny Dykes famously, you know, came from uh, out of the air raid. But he made a hire in Gillespie, the defensive coordinator at Tulsa, who for a couple of years has been one of the best group of five defensive coordinators in all of college football. Um, <clears throat> TCU, oddly enough, because like what uh, what did in Gary Patterson last season was the defense. They fell, fell all the way to 122 in beta rank. I mean, they were horrendous. Um and you wouldn't have expected that, right? I mean, like Gary Patterson hung his hat on the defense. They would kind of like poked along offensively for a couple of years. They were okay last season, 55 overall. Um, but what they did last year really well was they put up really big plays. They do have some playmakers available. Um, they were at 15 in explosive drives. They were just at 129 in drive efficiency. They couldn't consistently put up points, even though they were putting up yards. Um, I like TCU to improve offensively. I like them to improve defensively. Um, meanwhile, like what Colorado definitely hung their hat on last year, I mean, their offense was hideous. They were at 68 last year in beta rank on defense. I don't think that there's like, they had a really big run pass split. They were 92 in effective rush, 41 in effective pass. I just, I, I don't like, I don't like this Colorado defense. They lost both of their corners um, who helped them get to that 41 in effective pass. I think TCU has an opportunity to come out and make a statement here. Beta ranks only got this at six points, but it doesn't see the coaching change at TCU. It also doesn't see that Mike Sanford's now the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Yeah, there's just uh, like Colorado, like 
every time I try to come up with something really positive about Colorado, I don't. I feel like I just find something and I'm like, oh, I hadn't seen this other negative thing about them. <laughs> yeah, and I think they lost one of their defensive tackles uh, right up the nose. One of their big guys ended up transferring out um, at the last minute. So, it, yes, this this is a problem. 13 and a half. Like, look, I so so fair warning, right? To start, like we start chugging along like about week two or week three, when we kind of see these teams. So these first couple picks, right? Like I'm just stretching my legs. I'm making small bets here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stretching my hamstrings over here. Um, so, so please, for the love of God, do not ride with me at this point. Um, I will let you know when I'm hot. Uh, but I, I feel filthy about this. I'm going to take the points. I think like, look, a three point jump. I just, I, I that just scares me a little bit. Um, I don't like Colorado. I'm I'm totally with you on this front, Rob, where it's it's I just I can't find a lot of redeeming qualities about it. I think TCU is going to be a good team. I think they're going to win. I, I bet their win total over. I just think 13 and a half at home with the altitude and this being the first opening game when I think people are going to get, uh, you know, kind of work things out. I just I feel like Colorado is going to keep this close and I could look back next week and just go, Oh my gosh, this is like, Brian, you knew this team was a disaster. You've been talking about this team being a disaster for like the last 10, 10 years. Um, and shame on you, but I, I I'm going to, I'm going to stick with them on this one. I think they come out and play a little harder. I do not expect Colorado to be good for the rest of the season, but I think 13 and a half is a lot at altitude against a team that has a new coach and implanting a new system that by the way, could be significantly better than it was last year. But um, I'm going to take the points. It probably sounds crazy, but you know, if beta rank has it at six, like I fully expect TC to be significantly better to what the, what the numbers are. Yeah. Right I think they're, I think they're going to be, I think this is one of those ones that I think from the beginning, I was like, yeah, beta ranks going to, I think beta ranks going to miss on TCU for a couple of games early in the season before it nails them down. But I think this is likely closer to like 17. Um, and I'm taking TCU. Okay. I feel dirty. Like just, I, I am fully aware of the, like, you know, it's like those decisions where you're like, you look back, at in the moment you go this is not a good decision then you make it anyway that that is me at this moment in time taking colorado but uh anything else to mention like so i I guess on tcu they haven't announced a quarterback or a starting running back so it's it's a little hard for us to kind of talk through who who actually is going to be on the field but i mean i think you broke down did you do tcu in your series this year or were they too far down i didn't they're too they're too far down max duggan started last season um, and they have, I mean, he is definitely more of a runner than a thrower, you know, and like he's got some at downfield accuracy issues, but if you, if you have him in there, I mean, and if he's your starter, like TCU is going to look to run the football. I think if you flip it and you have either, either the other guys in there, like you might see more of a passing offense, but Sonny Dykes is throwing out that like all three of them might play, which I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if they're blowing Colorado out, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Keep keep an eye on that defensive hire, like you mentioned, the DC from Tulsa. Like that, that I think lot, most people thought that was a sneaky good hire. So, um, yeah. and I don't anticipate TCU's defense to be as crap. It just seemed like the team gave up on on Patterson last year. But um, we will see on that front. Anything that you're keeping a lookout for in this game before we move on? Like for me, is like, is it going to be Brandon Lewis? I'm assuming it's going to be him rather than Shroud. Yeah. And I want to yeah. see if he can if he can move the ball a little bit more. I'm worried that Bursard went to Michigan State. Like to your point, like every time I'm like, oh, th-, and then it's like, oh, wah, wah, like the the sad trombone plays. Every time I think of something happy about Colorado, but um, you know, is it, I guess the defense on my front, like 
they, they lost uh, basically all of their corners to better teams. Like, you know, is there anybody behind I know. him? I don't know. Uh, I mean, like you remember the, like the, when those guys were freshmen, like Colorado took their lumps, um, with some really bad pass defense, getting those guys experience. And then they transferred out and just like that, that's a killer for the program. Yeah. Gross. I'm going to take a shower after this. All right, moving on. <laughs> Our next game we have 1130 Saturday at 1130. Ooh, look at that pre-noon game. Let's go. Cakes and eggs. Bowling Green. Is a 24 and a half point underdog on the road at UCLA. This line has kind of jumped up and down. I think it opened pretty high and then dipped and then jumped up again. I think it's bounced about two points. Uh, UCLA, 24 and a half points uh, uh, favorite here. And Bowling Green was bad last year, right? I mean, I was, I, I, that was, I mean, how bad were they? They were 123 in beta rank. I mean, look, if this was last year's teams, UCLA finished 27, Bowling Green finished 123. On a neutral field, UCLA would be favored by 37. Oof. Uh, but it's not, la- like, to be clear, it's not last year's teams. You know, Baderank has this at UCLA at 16 and a half. I think that might be a little low. But, you know, Bowling Green comes in, projected this season. They finished at 123. They're projected to improve to 113. UCLA just... If you look at their underlying, you know, some of the numbers that might help push them up, like the recruiting just has it like they're 24 overall in recruiting. It's not great. They haven't done a tremendous job developing talent the last couple of years. They're at 94 in returning production. Right. So like even though like the focus is, of course, on like Dorian Thompson Robertson's back, they do lose some other players, um, you know, around him. And yeah, I mean, it, it is going to like, I, I feel like in large part, it's going to depend on like how well the offensive line gels and do they get anything more out of the defense? Look like Bowling Green was in no, like in most of the Mac was in no way good last season. <laughs> I mean, at all, um, you know, they're, they do, but like, but the, the thing that's pumping Bowling Green up right now is they're at number two in returning production, number three on offense, number 11 on defense. There's just a ton of this, you know, experience back on this team. I mean, I, I think that this one's likely closer. Like I think you, when, when this one hit, I think you had sharp money come in and move it down. And now I think it's maybe, maybe it moved down too much and it's coming back up. Yeah. I, it's it's interesting because like to your point on returning production, they started a ton of young players last year. Yeah. And so those players do return, but this team sucked. Um, you know, last year, did they do anything well? Like, cause when I, when I think of UCLA, right. I mean, I, I, obviously we know what they're going to do on offense. Like they're going to do some creative things in the run game. They're going to pass it to either big wide receivers or tight ends. Um, and they're probably not going to play defense super well. <laughs> So yeah. it, like, I, I really want to take UCLA because like, I remember the last couple of years on, on some of these games where UCLA would play a bad team and I'm like, ah, 24 points is a lot. Chip Kelly doesn't have his act together, blah, blah, blah. And then they end up just like, that's what UCLA does. They kind of like beat really bad teams that are super outmatched. Um, and then, and then there's some other games where it's kind of like, you know, they, when they're playing teams that are, that are of their caliber, I think that's when things start getting a little hairy. But, you know, if, if you were like, I guess I'm trying to get you to talk me out of taking the 24 in terms of what what does bowling what did Bowling Green do well last year because it's mostly the same players that are going to return. Uh, is there anything that they were strong at? I mean, like it's it's worth pointing out they were the worst offense in all of college football last season. <laughs> Let's go, love it. So they were one one thirty out of one thirty, 
Um, in particular, where they struggled last season was negative drive. So too many three and outs, too many turnovers. Um, that's a major problem. It's a little like they did play a ton of young players last year, um, but they did have a, you know, I, I, um, Matt McDonald was a senior last year uh, at quarterback. He transferred in for Boston College, I believe. Look, I mean, look, I, I mean, like McDonald can get better. I mean, this entire offense can get better um, than they were last year. McDonald, you know, like he had a, he had a decent, I mean, 60% completion percentage. Like they're just, I, I, I just, I think you're, if you're going to talk yourself into it, like they were really young at running back last year, you know, nothing but freshman running backs getting carries. They were pretty young at the offensive line. I don't, I, I think UCLA is a little under projected coming into this year. I think there's some carryover from the early Chip, Chip Kelly tenure and from like the end of the Jim Mora tenure where they weren't developing players very well and in those days too they also recruited better and so like that helped bump them up in the rankings now as their recruiting's fallen down a bit that that certainly hurt them um like the defense for ucla has some room like where they really struggled last season was drive efficiency they were 116 there i think they have some upside i mean i just i think ucla is probably closer to like 21 points better than bowling green I just it feels like a lot of points to be putting on a UCLA team that has like a ton of transfers, has some questions at the offensive line that need answered. I don't care. Max sucks. I'm gonna take UCLA. That is a lot of points though. Like right when it was twenty two and a half, now it's twenty four and a half. Um I'm I'm absolutely not betting real money on this game, but um I gotta make a pick, so I'll take UCLA. Who are you taking? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take bowling. Oh man, am take I gonna the take the worst bowling? Mac team? Not the worst, but a, a Mac team. They're not the worst. I mean, just offensively, they were inconceivably bad last year. Finally, no, they did. So they have a new, they have a new OC. I, oh, I'm going with Bowling Green. I just think, I just think that's too many points to trust UCLA. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We're on opposite sides of both of this. I like this. Somebody's going to come out on top here. All right. Next game, really. The you know big- me, like I'm terrible in the early season. Like I was, I was like, eh. Like, it's only later that I get hot. Yeah, it, t- it takes a while to figure out these teams, and, and we'll get there. And and by the way, normally we'll break out, like, what is their offensive line versus the other defensive line, because we'll just have that data set with us, but not quite there yet. Uh, another game that pops up in the, in the noon, I kind of like this noon slate here, right? You got, like, you got UCLA, you got going on. You got Arizona, a six-point underdog on the road, opening the Snack Dragon, Snap, Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego State. Shouts to them for finally not naming it after a casino, right? Like, I enjoy casinos, but just not a great look, right, when the casinos. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't allowed to actually bet on college sports. Um, Arizona six-point uh, dog on the road at San Diego State. Uh, Braxton Burmeister, you know, a, a cup of <laughs> yeah. coffee at Arizona's recruiting table for a moment, goes over from the Hokies to San Diego State. You know, you could take, like, I think the Nebraska game is a perfect example of this, right? Like where you project last year's results on this year's game, right? Arizona just got waxed at home. Like it was over before it started. And like, and then, and then San Diego state, like rolled Arizona down the hill. Like, you know, like, yeah. Oh, they hit a bunch of big plays early and then there. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Like it was, it was like that, that thing from the replacements where like, they're talking about quicksand. That was Arizona in that game. Oh, it's awful. New year, a new game. And, and basically new rosters, particularly for Arizona. Um, but at the same time, I think we know what San Diego State's going to be, right? Bad offense, good defense. But I'm curious what the numbers had them, um, you know, 
being excellent at last year, uh, minus the punt god, that which I mean I don't want to go there right now, but like there, there's a lot of legal and uh, and there's just a bad, yeah. I mean, and, and the coaches were talking about like the sexual assaults and stuff like that. So um, I, I'm not making light of that, but he was a really good. Like he was one of the best players on that team, and he's no longer at the university. Um, I because he's in the NFL, and I don't know if he's there anymore. But no, he like, got cut. Yeah, it's like one of the, it's like one of the one. It's like the one time when we talk about a punter in terms of wow, that guy really turned the field. It was like ASU's punter a few years ago, San Diego State's punter, and that, that was like a really big deal because their offense was terrible. So like, g- give me the numbers. How bad was this offense, and how bad, how good was the defense, and how is that going to bounce up against uh, Arizona's new roster? So the offense was at 103 last season. Um, they were at 62 in effective rush, 110 in effective pass. Um, they were not they were not explosive. They were 105 in explosive drives, um, 83 in drive efficiency, so a little bit better there. Um, now Arizona, like what they did well was they contained explosive drives at 63. They caused three and outs and turnover, and mostly three and outs. They didn't cause a lot of turnovers, but mostly three and outs last year, 35 there. They just struggled to 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 with consistency. Um, 121 in drive efficiency. You could put together drives against Arizona last year. Um, now Arizona was at 98 in effective rush and 74 against the pass. Burmeister, I don't think they have a great bunch of wide receivers. You know, and like something something about SDS, you know, San Diego State just to keep an eye on is they were really, really bad offensively last year. Like we just talked about, they're at 120 in returning production on the offensive side of the football. Only 44% coming back. They're, th- that's something to really keep an eye on, I think, for them. Like they are going to have some holes to plug on the offensive line. They lose almost all of their secondary as well. Now they do return. They lose their best player on the defensive line, but the other three players return that were pretty good. It's going to, like, I... I I think this, I, like Bader, he's got this at six and a half for San Diego State. I, I gotta admit, I like her. Like I'm not, I'm not alone here. I, I like Arizona in this game versus six and a half. Yeah, I, look, because we're both we're both Arizona grads, so I try not, like I try to approach Arizona games with, with you know, just like as a nonpartisan. And I think like in the first couple of games, I, I, I do do that. Like you know, I, I took, I took Arizona against BYU because. I just thought that, you know, last year their opener that they would just be better, and they and they covered that spread by the way, um, and, and they covered it extremely poorly. <laughs> they just played so <laughs> Gunner Cruz was such a disaster, and they still covered the game. Um, I I look the whole team basically, not the whole team, but like all all of the parts of this team, warts and all, right? Peyton Fears is still your right tackle, so that's a problem. Right. Um, right. But Arizona, as we were talking about them, just released their depth chart. There's like no surprises. It is exactly the team that we thought would be on the field. And I kind of think that against Braxton Burmeister and a Mountain West team with some of the talent overhaul that happened at Arizona, like I'm going to take the points. I, I I think Arizona can win this game outright. They they certainly could lose. Like right there, there is a world where San Diego State's defense is still awesome and Arizona just can't score. But I don't. I don't think that that happens nearly as often as Arizona being competitive in this game, even even in a tough environment. I don't like the fact that they're opening someone's stadium. That's always a problem. <laughs> but um, I, I'm I'm going to take Arizona. I'm going to take the points. I'm not I'm not excited about it, but I do think that this is a team that can be really competitive, and and they have. I just I just think that I don't think as much about the San Diego State team as as I have uh, in the past. What, and, 
Are you doing well, here's the, same? the crazy thing? Like, because I mean, they're, they, they are starting two new corners. Uh, they think they've got three new safeties out there for them. There's no way like last, like last year. Yeah. Like uh, you take their, the guys that were there for San Diego state against Arizona's wide receivers, but you would take McMillan and cowing against these guys. Burnett's going to get some playing time along with lines. Like Dorian Singer didn't get to play in that game against San Diego State. He really emerged. Like Jaden Dolores, like I just look, I like I think I think the biggest like there's two questions for this game if you're Arizona. One is can Arizona's offensive line handle San Diego State's largely veteran defensive line? That's that's a question, right? Like I, yeah. I but I, I think Arizona, if if they can, Arizona is going to be able to move the football because I think that they're going to be able to like Arizona's skill position players are just better. And then can Arizona handle what should be a pretty bad offense? <laughs> and, I mean, defensively, right? Like, and that's a big if, like this is Johnny Manson's first time calling plays. Um, I think with San Diego state, like you don't have to worry a ton about the passing game. Like Burmeister is probably an improvement over some of what they've had in the passing game. But what you really got to worry about with him is that guy is freaking fast. Like, he, like he's legitimately really fast. Um, so that's like, I mean, that's the, that's the angle of like, I don't think, I mean, I mean, a, a running QB can cause real problems. Um, but I just, I like, Versus six and a half or, you know, six points. There's yeah. I, I like Arizona. Like, I think that I'm going to, I'm going to take Arizona in this game. Okay. Well, we'll take a look. I mean, the other part is like San Diego state's San Diego state with Ariza last season, their place kicking stunk. They were 53 overall in special teams. So like without him, they could be a pretty bad special teams unit. Yeah. All right. We'll keep a look again. There is a world where Arizona loses this game by 14. And like the crowd gets into it. And so, but we're, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw that out there for now. I'm going to take the points. I'm going to pick Arizona. Uh, the next game is one of the biggest games of the week, right? Number 11, Oregon goes into Georgia. Well, not into, well, they do go into Georgia. They, they do go into Georgia. They go into Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, it's ba- bas- basically Athens. Uh, <laughs> uh, t- 1230 noon on ABC. Oregon is a 17 point underdog. And I just think that's way too many points for, for this Oregon team. I'm, cu- I'm curious what, like, clearly, Rob, you have previewed Georgia. Um, you know what I they just have? did this game for the Saturday Six, too. Yeah. What? So so t- how are you approaching this? So Beta Ray has this is Georgia at number two, Oregon at number 14. Um, and Beta Ranks roughly had this around the same points, which is, it's got it at 14 and a half. Um, I think it had it at, before Bill Connolly updated his returning production numbers, I think it had it closer to 16. Um, it's at up to 17 now. I, you know, like, like I, I think that there's a couple of things to keep an eye on here. Like Oregon's defense really struggled last season. They were 40 of four overall in beta rank, but they did mostly did a good job controlling big plays. They mostly did a good job in play efficiency and negative drives. They just struggled. You could drive on them, right? Like, like we saw it, like I bring up that Arizona game when like McLeod, like, Freaking Jordan McLeod, like if he hadn't thrown five interceptions, Arizona probably <laughs> scores at least like two or three touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like Oregon, that's what Oregon was relying on. Like they were left relying on interceptions because they couldn't get them off the field. Um, and they certainly did give up some big plays against 
Utah, right? Like Utah gouged them, but I'm interested to see, cause like Georgia, what I think is largely going to still be there for them is, is the running game, right? Like they've had a consistently good running game. I think if you're hearing to the contrary and there's, there's some advanced stats out there, like the EPA run pass that like will tell you that Georgia had a bad running game last year. That's wrong. Like those stats are bad. People shouldn't put those out. They were at eight in effective Russian beta rank last season. Now people stacked the box against Georgia and that opened up the passing game and let that let them put up a lot of really big plays. They basically dared Stetson Bennett to beat them. But I worry about this. Like, look, like I, I think Oregon's going to be a lot better defensively with landing there to help clean things up. But they struggled a little bit defending the pass last season. Like the, the the memory, of course, is like Utah torching them with big plays on the ground. But they struggled more in, in defending the pass last year. I'm just interested to see how that shakes out for them, um, you know, coming into this one. Because like Bennett's – look, Bennett's not going to play in, on Sundays. But – He's fine, right? Like if you're if you're going to spend all your time talking about this game about like focusing on Stetson Bennett, like you're focusing on the wrong thing. Like there are other players on this team that are going to beat you. What's interesting though is like they did lose some some skill position players, some of the wide receivers that are now making noise in the NFL, like Pickens. Um, but Brock Bowers, their excellent tight end, is back. The matchup of him versus some of Oregon's linebackers is going to be good. Look, I think Oregon might be able to, to slow down Georgia's running game in the way that teams tried to last season. It's going to come down to their corners, likely on that side of the ball, trying to stop Oregon's wide receivers. And I like Georgia in that matchup. Mm. 17 and a half, though, Rob. Yeah, I don't like 17 and a half. I like I kind of like it where it's at at about 14. I'm, I'm going to take Georgia, or I'm sorry, I'm going to take it Oregon. Um, I think their offensive line is good. I think they'll be able to run the ball. I don't trust uh, Bo Nix. I, I don't think Oregon wins this game. And I, ha- I have heard like a couple of people out there, uh, I think like some guys on the Cover 3 podcast and some other places like, are giving Oregon a chance to be like a live dog. I just like, look, I know that they went. What? In, yeah, I know. I went in. We, we saw live what they were able to do to Ohio State. But that was that was a, a big part of that was just crappy defensive calling. Uh, and it got. Yeah, it got uh, if you're going to sit, if you're going to sit and cover two man, virtually every play, like, yeah, people will figure out how to beat you. Like, you know, who put up like every, whatever Oregon fans say that I'm like. Dude, Tulsa came in the next week and put up like 500 yards and like put the nail in the coffin yeah. on Kerry Combs. Like they had a defensive coordinator problem. Yeah. I do. Like, I'm curious about the, like the, the Brock Bowers thing worries me because yeah. I, look, I, I, I understand Justin Flo and um, who's the other guy that's back there, the, the two five-star guys. Um, but <laughs> right. Like that, like, Hey, they've been injured. I want to see if they can actually, you know, cover, you know, cover passes and like do pass coverage. I don't know if that's like, I think he's going to be a massive problem and he probably gets like a hundred yards and a touchdown, but I still, I still think that Oregon has the horses to hang with this team for a bit. And if you're going to give me that extra half point, like I'll take it and already have taken it. (laughs) So I'll, I'll take 17 and a half. Are you, are you taking Oregon? Is that, is that what I heard out of you, Rob? Yeah, I'm going to take Oregon. Look, I mean, I think Oregon's got enough to like keep it around 14. Maybe I think I think Georgia's going to win by two possessions, whether it's 10 or 14. Like, I mean, I I just don't. I mean, but I think like as much as like Joe Moorhead 
takes a lot of crap from Oregon fans. Like they were at 14 in beta rank last year offensively. They just didn't have much in the passing game. Like I don't like Moorhead's a pretty good play caller. Like I think Dillingham will be a little bit of a downgrade. Um, yeah, Knicks might be able to get you more than Anthony Brown, but I don't know. I'm not sold on the wide receiver still. Like it's and this is like George's defense, like Somebody had a good point today. They're like, you know who who didn't go out and take any transfers? Kirby Smart. Like Kirby Smart looked at the players he had and he's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> you know, like when people are like, it's like you know in the era, like, I mean, Saban at least took two transfers, right? Like, you know, Georgia coming off a national championship with all of those dudes that they lost on defense or wide receiver, like they could have gone out and gotten some guys, right? And it's not like George doesn't have any NIL money coming off, coming off like to begin with, and then coming off a freaking national title, right? And Kirby's like, nope, I don't need anybody. Ooh, all right, <laughs> yikes, yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited to watch that game. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, all right. We have a number of games to cover here. We got USC, Utah, Florida. We got uh, Boise State, Oregon State, which is a super fun game. Washington, Colgate, Toothpaste playing Stanford Emos, and we'll cover it right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. We're moving through the offensive. The offensive. We're moving through the afternoon slate. Saturday, 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. UC Davis on the road against Cal. Rob, I was so bummed. Like, I, I think it's really important to highlight the fact that you know Cal, yeah. right? Is it? I think Brett Johnson is the the guy that everybody was super excited about. Very talented uh, defensive lineman. He was kind of playing out of position. He had his chance, and he just got hurt. I think that's a huge blow to this Cal team. I'm. I'm a little worried. Like, right? Like, uh, UC Davis has the uh, was it uh, Taylor Troy Taylor, right? The the offensive coordinator from Utah that moved over. Um, that team's been okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm legitimately worried about Cal in this game. Am I? Is that? Am I? Am I being too much of a worry word here? No, I don't necessarily think so. You know, like this Cal defense was at 28 last year. They're pretty good. They really could have used Johnson coming back. Um, they were a little better against the pass than they were against the one run, 24 and effective pass, 32 and effective rush. But yeah, this, I mean, like beta rank, I mean, they've got, where do we have Cal projected coming this year? They're not that high, 67 overall. Um, they're, at one, I mean, holy Moses, Cal's at 111 in returning production. They're at 126 on offense in returning production. <laughs> they lose a ton off of a hideously bad offense last year, 88. 
in beta rank, 121 in drive efficiency. They really struggled to put up points. They were at 85 in effective pass. I just, when I look at this Cal team, I'm just not, look, I mean, they should be able to put up points here. Like, but that's what we need to see. Like, we need to see them not have offensive dysfunction. Like, they need to look like a normally functioning power five offense in this game. Um, and to flip it, like they need to, like if their defense is really going to be good again, like we need to see them pretty much shut down UC Davis. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect UC Davis to like blow the doors off with explosive plays, although they could. I mean, like we don't know until we see it. But I think the thing that worries me most is like, can UC Davis continuously move the ball down the field? Like if if yeah. Cal is just leaking yards like throughout the whole game. I am frightened for my life of this season uh, with them. And and on the other side, like you mentioned on the offensive side, if they're just like, if Luke Musgrave or what's his name, uh, Bill Musgrave is being Bill Musgrave. Like I'm out. Like, yeah. I'm out. I don't want to be part of this team. <laughs> well, they get the plumber of the elder from Purdue who lost his job to Aiden O'Connell. I mean, he wasn't bad at Purdue, but like you can tell like when Aiden O'Connell, you could took over, you could tell the difference. Yeah. I, th- I think, Look, I, I, I hope Cal wins. I want Cal to be a good football program. Uh, I think UC Davis has the chance of covering what, like if this spread is more than 20, I'm taking UC Davis and I bet you it's going to be like 14. I mean, like Vegas isn't stupid. Um, so I'll, we'll keep a yeah. lookout for this. I haven't seen a line for it. Uh, you know, oftentimes the FCS teams come out late, but like, yeah, I think like we're in agreement, right? That, that this could be, this is, this is a weird, bizarre opening game for Cal and, and it, it gives us the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I mean, like this game. I mean, if you're a Cal, like this game, if this game is within 14 points, like that's going to scare the crap out of you if you're a Cal fan. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on from there. Uh, good luck, Cal. I hope I hope they're able to win. The next game, Saturday at three o'clock, Pac-12 Network. USC is on Pac-12 Network. Rob, that's what they get for playing Rice. That's what they get for playing Rice. Uh, yeah. Nobody. No. Yeah. Nobody. Like, I mean, there's a pretty good slate. Like, for the Saturday 6th this week, like, there's a pretty good set of games. Like, there's even, like, a really sneaky good group of five game where Houston's going to UTSA. So, yeah, like, and, and I don't think Fox really has much committed to the TV schedule this week. So, yeah, USC Rice is not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, like, in some ways you could see why. A 33-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, they, yeah. they have Rice at home. You you had mentioned that Rice is bad, right? They, they have the the offensive line coach, right, from Stanford. Is yeah, Mike Blumgren, who was their offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. How bad is this um, team? Oh man, they were one sixteen in beta rank last year. Um, we have them projected at one twenty. We have them projected to get worse <laughs> at one twenty four. They don't have a lot of production coming back on the offensive side of the ball. Defense a decent amount coming back. I mean, Rice does not recruit very well. It's a, it's a pretty well-regarded little academic school in Houston, but they, I mean, last year they struggled on defense 110 and beta rank, no real big numbers. I mean, like 110 tells you about where like they were right around 110 in every single one of their numbers. Um, but UCLA, I mean, I'm sorry, not UCLA. USC is just like, it's a mystery, right? Like, because here's the thing: I think Beta Rank has USC pretty far under projected, and it's got them at 29, right? And Rice is at 124. Beta Rank's got this at 28.28. So, like, not that far off for a team that I think might be as much as like eight points better. Mm. Um, so I'm taking like. 
I, I don't think Rice is going to be able. I don't think this. I don't think this game, in particular, is going to tell us a lot about where like UCLA, USC's defense really is. Why won't this show? I think that's my real concern here. Is like why like, I I don't think Rice is a, like a good enough. I just don't think Rice is like a good enough uh, opponent to really let us see what USC is going to be, um, and that's a bummer. You know, because like I'd like to see more of what we, you know, what Rice at one ten offensively last season too. They were really bad. That's like I think you like they weren't particularly good throwing the football, and that was USC's Achilles' heel was defending the the pass last season. And that's what I want to see for USC is like when do I get to see them actually have to defend the pass? That's the big watch out. Um, but I think USC is going to be able to put up just a bonkers amount of points. I mean, I think it's probably closer to like that 36, 37, but like Vegas is not far off. Like I, like I said, like, I think I have them, you know, a bit under projected and I've got it at 28. Yeah. I'm oh, 33 and a half. So next week, what we'll do is like, we, right. We usually make the, when I bet, I bet like Sunday when the lines come out. And so I'm going to start using those because this puts us in a tough spot where it's like we, we lose two points of value. I think this was like at 31 or something like that. And some of the other ones were significantly different. Uh, I mean, like, so in my mind, I have USC just beating the doors after Rice. And I totally agree with you that this Rice team is bad and USC. Oh, should... man, this, this opened at Circa at 35. Oh, it dropped two points? Woo! So like yeah, circa as of like I used to, I, I pulled circa's number two weeks ago when their money lines came out because it was also fair because I updated the projection model then so I was like all right we're both we're both at the same starting point <laughs> and it was thirty five then at circa yeah because it's it's I think Riley like I think Lincoln Riley is somebody that's gonna like not care about running up the score. I just think he's trying to do everything he can to get people to focus on USC. So I think there will be no quarter given. It's just, can USC, can their defense? No, but here's the question that you run into here is like, what, it, what's going on? Like what happens when USC's backups come into this game? That's the problem with the spread this big. Yeah. Right. Like is, is, is like what happens when the backups come in? I, yeah, I'm actually going to take, I'm going to take rice. I can't, I know that sounds freaking crazy, but I think once USC's backups come in, like, I think this slows down tremendously and it probably finishes under 30. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to still take, cause you're not going to play Addison and Caleb. Like you're, you're not like, if you are, you're stupid. Like if you're Lincoln Riley, like ever, like in, and like Addison's in there, like in the third quarter, like people are going to kill you. I think the move that I like, I like where you're thinking. I think the move is USC first half. Um, and, yeah. and even if it's a stupid line, like 20, take no, it. No, yeah, I've been like, I might take USC 21 in the first quarter. Yeah. Like, I mean, Caleb Williams is a huge upgrade off of what they had last year. Yeah. And look, if USC keeps rolling, then fine. Like, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations to them. All right. So I'm I'm still going to take the 33 and a half. I'm going to also take the under. It's So so the, the, the over under 61 and a half. I think that's too much. Like I don't think Rice is going to score very much, and I think USC. I I do. I just don't see a world where they score like sixty. Um, they could, they could. Yeah. Uh, but I think they just they lose so much off that offense from last season. It was bad, right? And like I don't think they're going to get it going. Like, yeah. I think those. Are but again, like we talked about, like I mean, yeah, USC like had massive roster turnover, but I'm just I'm not sold that the depth is there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm still going to take USC. Um, I think that the 
time to fade them is when they play teams that are like semi-competent. So I don't know if that's Rice. I, I'm looking at you, Fresno State. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and it may be even Stanford. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens in that it's, game. It's funny because if you think of like if, if Vegas is power ranking, right, like that means Vegas has USC power ranked coming into this year. Like I've got them at 29, probably somewhere in like the 21, maybe like 19. Right. Not not down where they are, like 14 or so. And there are people that have them in the top 10. Vegas certainly doesn't have USC in the top 10. No, no. Love it. Love it. (laughs) So we'll keep a look at that. All right. I'll take USC. And yes, I do realize I've taken all Pac-12 teams. That will change. That will change. I have some I have some of the other teams here. Just happens to be the order that these games have been done, including uh, Florida. Florida, which is a three-point now. So th- this this line opened at two. I grabbed it at two on our podcast, Rob, a few few weeks ago. Smart, pop- smart. Popped up to three. Utah on the road in the swamp, going to Gainesville. I, I this game is. I'm so excited about this game. This is by far like I will be doing nothing but watching this game. Um, it's on ESPN, four o'clock p.m. and th- three points, Rob. Like. Look, Utah yeah. lost to San Diego State, so you know they are. You can't defeat Utah. Utah lost to Oregon State last year. The Oregon State one is the most, is the really relevant one because that one happened after Rising took over. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, although, like I think you and I uh, both understand what happens at Research Stadium sometimes. So, uh, I, I guess my point is like, look, this isn't an invincible Utah team. I like right. this team a lot. I've I bet them to win the conference. I have their over. Um, I have them at two uh, beating Florida, but look, new leadership, clearly, you know, even though Florida wasn't recruiting at the elite level, they were still recruiting very well. It's just, everything's relative, right? right? If you're, if you're competing against Alabama and Georgia, Florida fans want you to compete on the recruiting trail against Alabama and Florida. They have not done that. Um, Billy Napier comes in, brings a lot of his uh, Louisiana players and staff with him. What do we got in this Florida team? How are you approaching this? I'm really excited for this game. I think what's going to like the matchup to watch is um, one Florida's defense wasn't, I, I know the defensive coordinator got scapegoated and fired last season. But the defense wasn't that bad. They were at 16 overall. This is what happens when your head coach is also the offensive play caller. Is like, he can't scapegoat himself. right? Like, so he like switched up quarterbacks away from every Jones and Wednesday Anthony Richardson, but like the defense was at 16 but you know, like, and they were had a decent run pass. I mean, like, but Utah's like Utah brings back what they need, you know, for the most part on offense, right? Like, you know, they've got the tight ends, like the offense. They they return quite a bit on the offensive line. Cam Rising is back, right? Like, there's a lot to really like on Utah's offense. Um, defensively, like they've got, you know, like they've got less back. They do have some some personnel losses, of course, in particular. Um, you know, a linebacker, but like the matchup, like on defense, like Utah is, I think is it, they're, look, they're not going to be able to just waltz in here and just score points at will. Right. Like yeah. this will, this will be a significantly better defense than they faced in Oregon. than they faced in Ohio state last year. Um, Patrick, Tony, the defensive coordinator that came over with, uh, Napier from Louisiana was in a lot of ways like Billy Napier's secret sauce. Like he's been the guy that's like put together a he put together a pretty good group of five defense at Louisiana last season. Um, you know, Utah's gonna have like and I think Andy Ludwig will. I think they will find some ways to score points, but like they're not gonna I I would not expect to come into this game and to be like a juggernaut offensively 
I'm trying to think, like, probably the best defense Utah faced last year was, God, the Pac-12 had so many bad defenses. It was probably that San Diego State defense. And it's tough to evaluate them, right? Because, like, rising doesn't take over until, like, very, very late in that game. Yeah, and then they put up, like, 21. Yeah, because he's not on film and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, like, I'm I'm really excited to see this Utah defense against this Florida offense because the Florida offense was not that good last year. But what what Napier likes to do is run the football, right? Like his offensive line coach, his offensive, like he's going to call plays. His offensive coordinator is like his former offensive line coach who went to the giants for a little bit. And now he's back with Napier with, with Florida. I mean, really good offensive line play is like his calling card. But that is, I mean, like that is like, it is going to be a punch you in the mouth game. And man, Utah likes those kind of games on defense. Right. Um, and it's not that, like, I think, like, I mean, Utah certainly had the injuries in the secondary last year, um, and that hurt. But they return quite a bit at, at defensive line, um, you know, and I think they have some expectations for some players to continue to grow there. I like the transfers they brought in at linebacker. I do. Like, I just, uh, I think Reed from Stanford, Diabate from Florida, like, I think they're going to be fine. Um, I think with Phillips there, Phillips is going to be, you know, solid. I don't think, I don't think Florida's going to challenge them a ton in the passing game, right? Like, I think Utah's going to feel pretty comfortable leaving Phillips out there, you know, in coverage um, and, and, you know, maybe creeping down into the box a little bit. I think they largely will feel comfortable with that, but that's what it's going to take is like, can they line up? And I mean, I don't think Billy Napier is actually a great offensive coordinator. I don't think he's a great offensive mind. His offenses were good, but not great at the group of five level. I'm interested to see what it looks like when he's got a lot more talent here, but I think this Utah defense should be pretty good. They were number nine overall last year. Um, now the, the injuries in the secondary and the fact that the pass rush was a little inconsistent hurt them defending the pass last year. But I think, you know, a healthy secondary, they should be good here. I think Utah is able to slow Florida down offensively enough, but Batering's got at Utah at seven on the road. And I, I feel, I like the Utes more than, more than two or three. I'm with you. I, I like the Utes. I already took the Utes. Um, it's possible that they like, right. You're hearing a lot about the heat and it'll be bad, but it's at, it's at seven thirty. This and is- Boise went in and won at Florida State, right? Like, it's <laughs> like people are like, I just love it that, like, I mean, Florida fired their coach last year. Yeah. And people are like, oh, man, like, Utah is, like, I mean, I was watching, I mean, this was like late night football. So, you know, like, buyer beware on, like, listening to the halftime show on a game on on week zero at, <laughs> after 10 p.m. Eastern time. But, like, the guys are like, oh, Utah's not ready. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, they're not ready because it's, like, humid? Like, are you are we serious about this? <laughs> I think I think the one thing that worries me in this game, right, I already have a ticket on Utah, is, and I think I might take the under because of it, is if, like you're saying, uh, Florida's defensive coordinator is solid, right? Like, the, you know the game plan from yeah. Utah. And I don't think they're going to change it all that much, right? They're going to run the ball. They're going to throw their tight ends. And if there's a way to contain rising and to keep that running game at like three to four yards of carry and not give up any explosive plays, like this becomes a slugfest and, and that's fine. And I still think that Utah can win a slugfest, but I mean, I think there's a scenario where like, what, what was Utah's run defense last year? 
Utah's run defense was really good last season. They were at number six overall in effective rush. And that's, I mean, look, like the linebacker, like you are losing a star in the linebacking core. Um, but I think they're largely, like, I think they'll largely be fine. I think the defensive line might even be a little bit improved. But here's the thing, like, Rising, like, when he got tackled last year, he's often, like, getting hit. Like, he's not taking a lot of, like, direct, like, contact shots where, like, the guy's coming up and, like, he, Rising's getting hit with force, like, counter-directional, right? Like, and, like, he's mostly getting, like, pulled down, tackled from behind, like, that kind of thing. You know, I just, I worry about, like... If if right like if if right like if they are able to contain rising, where the guys are hitting him downhill, even if rising is gaining like a couple yards, like Utah can't let that can't do that all game. Yeah, I like our friend Hithliday talked about this, and Utah just released their depth chart where um, the the transfer from Texas. Right, like uh, Hithlade, I forget who he had on on that talked about Utah, but basically they were talking about how uh, the Texas, the the other Texas transfer that, that isn't Cam Rising, um, just didn't have it, and you can see that because he's he's listed as third on the depth chart, and so they have yeah. a younger quarterback coming in, and like you know, pray for the health of Cam Rising because like I think this team rides with him, and if he's healthy, they're going to be excellent. So, I'm I'm going to take Utah. I'm going to take a look at that under it's at 51 which is a little low but yeah i, I think there's a world where like this is kind of like you know uh it, it's it's much it's a quicker game there's a lot of running utah's not able to um make the most out of those tight ends because of the scheme uh that florida puts on the defensive front and and then and then here we go and then it's actually a close game but um all right i think we're, we're both on utah we have four more games to go, Rob, and a couple of them are really, really fancy games here. And we'll get to them right after this. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're talking toothpaste, toothpaste at Stanford. Let's go. We just talked about uh, Utah, Florida. We're going to go in the exact opposite direction. 5 o'clock p.m., Pac-12 Network, Colgate University, the fighting cam- camels. Are they camels, Rob? What are, what are, the, what are the Colgate? Uh, no, that's the, that's something else. The Colgate Raiders. The Ra- I like that. The Raiders of Colgate come to Stanford, Palo Alto, patches and all ready to rock. Um, look, th- this game is stupid and, um, and it's, it's very similar to <laughs> watch at your own peril. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it like the sea wolves of long Island, like flew all the way to Eugene to play like Oregon. It is yeah, yeah. that level of stupidity. Where, where's yeah. Colgate from? Are they like new, are they Connecticut? They're, no, Colgate's in New York. I'm trying to remember. Like, I think they're north of the city. Oh, look at that! Like Rob, Rob, Rob was in New York. Uh, spent some time in New York. He's, he knows all the things. I was just, I was just in New York actually for business. Nice. Well, you should have given Colgate a pep talk. Cause uh, th- look, <laughs> no, nothing can. I mean, <laughs> I I have seen like, did you see like uh, like my new test for like. If people are even paying attention to the Pac-12 at all, or just paying attention to college football, is when they do their preseason like projections. Like, where do they put Stanford? Because I swear to God, like in the last two weeks, I have seen several national college football writers put like, "Oh yeah, like Stanford will finish like 
second or third in the north. I'm just like, you people, yeah. I don't even know what to do with you. Come on. I mean, you know. Or there's what? no north anymore. But like Stanford will finish at like seven and six or eight and four or seven and five or eight and four. I'm like, you people are out of your mind. I'm like, guys, can you not watch Colgate versus Stanford on the Pac-12 network at five o'clock? I mean, come on. <laughs> this game, this game is, is ridiculous. Um, what, what are you looking for with, with Stanford here? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's really like, can they, like, what's the offense look like? And can they click and can they throw the football around? I don't know. Be like, I'm not taking, if Stanford's suddenly able to like run the football here, I'm not buying it. I got to see it against, I got to see Stanford running the football against FBS competition. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and it's not like Stanford has sucked running the football against Oh man, like I was way wrong. Like I said, like Colgate's north of the city. Like Colgate's up by freaking Syracuse. I'm like, yeah, nice. hey, all right. Like I knew it was like I knew it was like like upstate. Like if you live in New York City, like upstate New York is like just this like wilderness to you. <laughs> like because literally everything is upstate. Um, yeah. So I just I think uh, I, I'm just interested. Like can can they throw the football more effectively? What does it look like? Does McKee look in rhythm? Do the wide receivers look better? They should blow the doors off of Colgate. I mean, if they don't, like that is a huge freaking concern because like the defense was really bad last year, 111 in beta rank. Not much to hang your hat on. I don't. I'm not gonna like the the only thing to take away from here is like if the defense struggles, like that's a big watch out. Yeah. I, I think Stanford, like I, I fully expect Tanner. They struggled McKee. stopping the run. 120 in effective rush last year. That's so bad. I mean, like, yeah, if if Colgate scores more than what 17 points, that's a problem. Right. And uh, but I I felt like this is how low I have Stanford uh, on like the level of where they used to be. Like I still think against Colgate they're going to struggle running the football. <laughs> like, oh my so, god! <laughs> so I I want to see McKee throwing for like 400 yards and five touchdowns. That's what I want to see. Um, I would I would love for them to run the football, but I just I. I need to see it. I need to see it. I don't care who they're playing against. Uh, let's see if they could actually do that. Anything else on Stanford Colgate? No. There's nothing. <laughs> Just... Let's freaking move on. Uh, speaking of bad games, Idaho, the Vandals. Six... Fighting Charlie Randalls. Let's go. Ten, ten miles. Regal. Charlie Regal. Not Charlie Randall. Charlie Regal. There you go. Charlie Regal. Ten miles east of Washington State. Coming over the border. Invading Moscow, Idaho. Inv- invading the the proud state of Washington. Um, this is on the Pac-12 Network at six thirty p.m. This is also a dumb game. Um, I look. Idaho sucks. Idaho will always suck. If you're a Washington State fan, like t- take nothing away from this game. Like nothing at all. Yeah. You want to move on? <laughs> I, no, I feel I mean, the only thing we're bad. seeing here is like, is Cam? Does Cam Ward appear to be making highlight plays? Like. If yes, then cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. if not, then concerned. I, I do. I am. I'm curious who the starting running back is. That's something else that that, that I'm interested yeah. in. Yeah. Because uh, they they had like Dion McIntosh is gone, Max Borgie's gone. I don't think they were super into the Wisconsin transfer they got. So they had this new freshman guy, or I think he might be like a redshirt freshman. In any case, like I'm I'm curious if he's good or if like I mean it's hard to see if he's good against Idaho, but like it'd be fun to see a running back run for more than a hundred yards in this game. I think that's, yeah. that's interesting. 
And I don't think you can take anything away from the defense at this point. I think I think they really need to play a, a real team or like a moderately competent team to get a feel for how much Dickert has his imprint on this defense because on paper it's not the most talented team in the country and you're really really leaning yeah. on can Dickert keep keep the the momentum going because I thought he did a good job last year. He did. They were 35 in in in, uh, in Beta Rank, ish, right around that mid 30s. Like I, uh, I I thought he did a really good job. Um, I think that's like if they're able to sort of stay in that range and the offense like improves, like they were around in that thirties too. Um, if that if the offense can get up to like a top twenty five offense, like Washington State's going to beat their projection. That'd be interesting. Yeah, and to his credit, right? Like Dickert could have very much been. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna build our foundation on defense. We're gonna run the football. And then he no he went oh, out. He was like Marcus, freaking Marcus Freeman today from Notre Dame. He comes out. He's like, we want to stop the run and establish the run. I was like, Jesus, what is it with defensive head coaches that just like, <laughs> like this? Look, look, college football ain't the NFL. Like you could score points running the football. You just can't do it with Tommy freaking Reese as your offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like Dickert fully could have come out with the run the damn football hat on. And like, right, sat like down. you can't say that if John Donovan is your OC, <laughs> <laughs> like, but they did like, they went out, they got Ward. They, they like, right. He, they he went swung. the other direction. He's like, we're going to throw the football all around. Let's go air raid. Let's import. Let's import. He pulled the Western Kentucky. Let's import an offense whole, whole hog, right? Let's bring in the OC and the QB. Love it. Love, feel bad for the other programs. Doesn't matter. We're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> All right, two more games here, and, uh, and and I think these are these are interesting games, both of them actually. So these are really fun games. Yeah, because one of them's going to be fast. Uh, Seven thirty p.m. on ESPN, Boise State, a three-point underdog on the road at Research Stadium or half of Research Stadium, which I'm fascinated. Like I'm, I'm really like I want to know how the camera angles. Like, are they going to have one on the the stadium side where they're just shooting into Corvallis, like the forest? Um, yeah, just just, just for. <laughs> The, the, the whole aesthetic of that game, I think, is fascinating. Like, like Boise State, I, so I, I, took, I grabbed them at three and a half. So I, I got them. I, I put money on Boise State. I got them a little earlier. I think this team is interesting. It is certainly not the Boise of like of, of, of years gone by. You know, we're the Snowdens no. of yesteryear, Rob. Um, you know, this is a this is a team that made a bowl. You got Andy Avalos as your coach. You know, they still have Bachmeyer. Yeah, and that like here's so here's this the fun side of like I mean the the like Boise State under Avalos had a really good defense last year, 27 for a group of five team, 27 in beta rank. They get an offense last year for Oregon State that was number 16 overall. Um, now here's what's here's where it gets interesting. So Oregon State, um, they're at 69 on the on offensive returning production. They've got about 61 percent coming back. Boise State is at number 10 in returning production on defense. They've got 81% of their defense coming back. They were at 18 in effective rush. Now they struggled to stop the pass, 47 in effective pass. But they're they're like these like this is a good matchup. Like Oregon State is gonna have like they're not gonna be able to come in and push these guys around. Like they are gonna have to show up and play big boy football like they did against Utah and run the football. And they're gonna have to hit some passes to open things up a little bit because if it, they don't hit anything and this may just require their pretty good tight end to be pretty good. Like 
they're it's going to get really crowded around that line of scrimmage with Boise. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the few games this week where we can go back and forth, right? Like, what's the like offense, the running offense against the rush, yeah. rushing defense? So, like, you, you highlighted how Boise was like number eighteen. You said defending the the rush. Yep, that's a problem because Oregon State loves to rush that football, so they're running into the strength of yep. this Boise defense. I, I Oregon State released their depth chart a few hours ago. And I was looking at it and I'm just like, gosh, this is, this is worrisome. Like if you take a look at, at what they bring back on, on the wide receiving front to your point, right? Like Musgrave was fine. He had like 500 yards, a couple touchdowns, but like he wasn't, he wasn't like the Georgia tight end, you know, like, right. He's not Brock Bowers. Like he's not like a game changer. Right. Like I think that like we talked about, like, I think they're fine at running back. Right. And we largely think they're okay at offensive line, but this Boise team might be a bad matchup. Yeah, because you flip For it, them. right? Like the, the, I mean, Oregon State's defense. I mean, we've been talking about this for six months. Like, was not good last year, but no, but like, what what was what, what's Boise good at uh, on the offensive side? Yeah, so this is where like it, it, this might be a little bit of a bad matchup for them. So it's Boise was at sixty one on offense last year, so that's not great for Boise standards, you know, that you would think, right? Like, yeah. that's a decent group of five offense. Um, they were 31 in effective pass, 84 in effective rush. Now they really did struggle with drive efficiency. They didn't put together long drives to put up points. They were they really tried to be more explosive. And now Oregon State struggled with drive efficiency. They they did contain explosives a little better, but and Oregon State was 101 in effective pass. So here's the thing: like now they now Oregon State brings back a mountain of returning production on defense. Like they are at number. Where we got them at? They're at 23 in returning production on defense. 77% of their production's coming back there. I mean, that's like the real positive, I think, for the Beavers is like you can talk, maybe you can talk yourself into the defense improving a bit. Um, but I think Boise's going to largely be able to put up some points. I think Bachmeyer might have himself a good game. I just feel like it really comes down to like this game. <laughs> Like if Oregon State's able to run the ball, I think they can win it, right? Like I just I think they can, but it like Baderings got this as a true toss up, right? Like it's like Oregon State at home versus Boise State. It's you know fifty percent win probability and a zero on the spread. <laughs> so I'm I'm taking Boise State. I I just like I would very much like for Oregon State to have a great year. I just don't. I don't believe it. I just keep, and you just keep hearing it. Like I listen to a lot of college football podcasts and almost every show is like, Oh, they keep a lookout for Oregon state. And I get it. I, I love Jonathan Smith, Jonathan Smith. Love this program. I really like what he's been able to do. I, but that defense worries me so very much. And I think this yeah. is probably if, if it's bad, you're going to know in this game. And I think it's bad. So I'm going to take the three. I got them at three and a half, but like for the sake of the show, we're going to do three here. It, it dropped to two and a half briefly. It's been ping ponging back and forth there. So are, are you, are you going to lay the points or are you going to take them? Oh man. I mean, it, Oregon state by three. I mean, God, Vegas has this like right on just about where I've got it. <laughs> Cause it's, I'm going I'm going to take Boise. I don't trust the Beavers pass defense. And I, the fact that like Boise brings back so much and they were mostly good stopping the run last year. I just, I, I think that's a, I think that is, is not a good sign. We'll see. Uh, uh, 
either or, by the way, in terms of the running backs there and the transfers that they got, Trelo and uh, I think it was Sydney. I almost want to say Sydney Powell. It's very, very much not Sydney Powell, but it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, I forget the the other person that, that transferred in. But in any case, um, either or on that front, and they have a really good freshman that's coming up too. All right, last game, and I think this is really interesting. Kent State, ten soldiers yep. and Nixon coming, twenty two point underdog on the road at Seattle. Late game, seven thirty p.m. and uh, I think this is on this is on FS1. FS1. Let's go a little nightcap for for all the all the peoples out there, the degenerates. And I I want to take Washington, but like this this Kent State offense is super funky. And my worry with Washington was that that yeah they have some interesting pieces that return. Like I I, I do think that Washington's going to win this game. But the, but um, DeBoer brought his people with them from Fresno State, and I don't know about them yet. I got you know like you got you got to know your neighbors first before you invite them over to dinner and all that stuff. Like I I am curious curious what that defensive staff puts together because Kent State's going to try to go go go. Is that still the case here, Rob? Yeah, I mean, so here's my concern with Kent State. <laughs> so, like, Baderank has them projected to regress off of last year. The whole Mac was bad, but they were at 106 last season. Um, their defense was really bad last year, 121 in Baderank. I mean, that's a really bad team. All of their numbers sort of hover around in that range. Um, I do expect Washington, they were at 93 last year on offense. I expect them to be significantly better. <laughs> like they're like the old, the old bad coaches are mostly gone, you know, like in steps, in steps and professionals and you get Michael panic. So I think will largely be good. Um, beta rank actually has this at, uh, 24 and a quarter, um, in this game, um, with the home field. And I, I, I like Washington considerably in this game. Um, I think Washington's defense, like Kent State, like they're what really hurts them is last. Yes, they were kind of fun offensively last year. Um, they were at 68, which is a pretty good group of five offense. Um, you know, uh, and they were they were you know a pretty run heavy offense, but they lose Dustin Crum, who's their QB, um, off. Yeah, you know, he just got cut by the Chiefs. Um, the other guy, Colin Schley, um, who's the who's their I would assume is their likely starter, um, did not get a lot of reps last year. Um, and Crum was also a big help in the in the running game. He put up 703 yards rushing um, for them. They also, I believe, lose Xavier Williams, their running back. I believe. Um, anyway, like they're just like they're like Cooper's back. But I do think that I do think that this offense, like Washington, might be able to to stack the box against them and sort of dare Kent State to pass. And I think that in that case, like Kent State's going to find themselves in trouble. I actually I like the Huskies here. I think they're going to be able to put up a lot of points in this game. Okay. Oh, yeah, DeBoer is so much better than Donovan and what they were doing last year. Like that's just like that's my main thing. Is like. I think you have to like it's a it's not like I, they didn't quite have like the massive influx of talent that USC did, but they had a fairly talented roster to begin with, and you are just sort of like fully washing your mouth out from where they were last year. Mm. I, I like what you're talking about personnel. Like I don't gosh, but I'm gonna be taken. I normally don't do this, right? Like I'm pretty down on the Pac-12, but I took. 
five or six teams. 21 points? Like, I think, oh, it's the hook, though, that 21.5. Yeah, like, 22. I got it at 22. I know. You got to hit 22. That's like, that's, I mean, but that puts you at, I mean, like, it's always useful to think of it as like, that puts you at four possessions, right? Like, Washington has to win by four possessions. I don't like that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Kent State. One of the things that goes, <sighs> you talked me into it. Like I talked myself into it, but I'm like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna regret it because like the model went the projection model, and it's like it was insanely small sample. So this is like it, but it piled up some wins last week. It went six and one. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how that carries over to this week in a much larger sample. Um, but this one feels like one of those ones where like, I'm going to pick against the model and I'm going to regret it later. <laughs> it's, it's just like, I really, I mean, I hope I'm not putting money on this game. Um, again, it's the beginning of the season. I just, I'd like to see Hey, I'd like to see Washington's wide receivers actually show up because they haven't. And I know that they, I know like, like on paper and in camp, they've been talking about the, the wide receivers really being, being there. Um, and, and they did break through a little bit at the end of the year. I need to see that to continue. Um, I, I thought it was fascinating that Washington's depth chart, they basically like scrubbed, they like, like Brutus, you know, in, in the, in the, <laughs> uh, in the government, they just scrubbed all of their, their running backs from the roster basically. And they're starting the UVA guy and he's fine for like five yards carry, but I don't know if he's super explosive. I'm curious to see how they use him. And I want to want to see the defense, right? Like the the one thing you could do on this Washington team was run on them. Uh, Elephantio's out. Uh, I know they brought in Cam Bright from Pittsburgh. So that, that, that that is good. But I just, you know, I I think that there could be a world where, where Kent state's just able just to do enough to, to, to stick around. Um, Our guys have bulked up. Like if you look at like the guys at the ends, they're up to two fifty ish now. Like even Savelle Smalls, who's listed defensive end, is like in the two fifty plus range. Yeah. Um. So that was that was a good sign because I was worried I was going to open it up and be like, oh, like that's a light end. Yeah. <laughs> but but like this could be a game where Washington wins forty five seven or forty five ten or something. So that that's certainly on the table. But. Uh, for for the purposes here, I'm going to do that. The other thing too, for transparency's sake, um, you know, we made a lot of picks. I think I went 58% last year picking all the games. Uh, but what I'd like to do this year is just to highlight the games I'm actually, you know, putting money on. So I got, uh, I got Florida. Or I'm sorry, I got USC at, at minus two um, against Florida. I got Boise State three and a half at Oregon State. And I got uh, Oregon at 17 and a half at Georgia. And then I'm looking, I'll make sure to tweet this out. You can follow us at 12 pack radio, one, two PAC radio. I'm looking at the under of Utah, Florida, and I'm looking at the first half USC line in the under of Florida of USC and rice. So just keep, keep a lookout for those. Uh, any, anything else to plug Rob? I saw you did the Saturday six uh, on, on YouTube. What else you got going on? Uh, not much. I mean, we'll release our first real, uh, data or i mean our first real model run um on sunday morning with in-season data it won't count for much <laughs> in the first run because you'll have a very few games still um but i'm excited for that i'm excited to dust it off and run the model again and see where we're at yeah keep, and keep a look at it. so I, I i ran the the um the spread versus beta rank like i always do and it's just fascinating to see right like because you can kind of see the model 
like starting out with its projections and then just chugging along and, and all of a sudden it kind of, ah, I got you. I got you pretty close. Um, so not quite there yet, but it is really fascinating to look at the numbers, look at the projections and and see the difference between uh, what Vegas thinks these teams are doing and what uh, what Baderank does. You can find that at sharpcollegefootball.com. Um, We'll make sure to keep an eye on these. We'll, we'll do our review and preview show all in one. Uh, this then that will be up next week. Enjoy the games guys. We'll, we'll catch you soon.